Are you ready to be awakened and empowered in your calling and purpose? Are you a builder and shaper of the church, marketplace, and society? Welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I look forward to helping you get equipped as a catalyst of the kingdom in your sphere. What has been the response to your series from Christian leaders? This has been so fascinating because obviously it was a provocative series. And uh, I kind of came into it, you know, with nothing to lose. I'm, I'm loyal to the truth and I saw a need. And apostles will speak to doctrine. And, and this is just part of their makeup. So, but I, I would say there were different levels and each one was equally fascinating. So you had real prophets, governmental level or international prophets that saw it. And it was almost like they were like, wow, this is putting language to what we believe. And, and even if it stung a little bit, even if there was some course correction that was obviously being given, because they are critical thinkers, they see that this can advance the body, they're lovers of truth, above reputation, above religiosity, above what we've made the prophetic to be, they got excited. So they would click share, they would be promoting it within their networks, and so we saw it have incredible reach that way. Then there was the level of prophetic leaders and Christian leaders in general who you could tell they needed to really care for reputation. So they would, pri- <laughs> they would private message me saying like, we just want you to know, and it was almost like they felt they had to, we just want you to know we really believe this, yes, even though we're not clicking like or... We don't want our names attached to it, but we really believe in this. You could see um, that we have a level of compromise in the body of Christ from leadership where they're almost more loyal to maintaining reputation than to the truth. And this was shocking to me. They were afraid of maybe offending somebody in their camp and or, or losing place within their network or something like that. There just was so much to lose. Um, and, and I think part of that has to do with this ideology, especially within the charismatic world and Canada, where um, to maintain this ideal of corporate Christian unity, I'm not going to say anything. And so we will compromise and cut corners with truth in the name of trying to preserve some kind of unity. It was astonishing that we have not loved the truth and the enemy has taken advantage of that. So I was getting lots of messages of total support, uh, but you you wouldn't see the click like or the the share or that kind of thing, but that's okay. But I'm I'm not that way. And because Jesus was not that way. And my model is Jesus. Jesus, 100% loyalty was to the truth. Above a network, above reputation, above most people, whether they would like to admit it or not, and I'm not trying to be overly critical here, but it's a reality now, is most people are trying to get speaking engagements, trying to build a ministry. And we don't realize how far we've slid from the emphasis of building the kingdom at whatever cost and loyalty to the truth at whatever cost. And and because of that, they're careful about associations. And we have the entrance of the whole political thing. This This is what it is. Then, fascinatingly, still answering your question, there's another level of people which were the body of Christ 
who didn't have something to lose, weren't trying to build their ministry, weren't focused on alignments and associations, weren't worried about that, who were screaming, yes, yes, yes. And I realized that just like the human body knows when it's sick, it will set off alarms. It will be vocal. You'll, you'll have sweats or throat. You just don't feel like yourself. The, the body of Christ knows when something is wrong. And I thought, wow, I, I didn't leaders didn't want to speak to the issue. Too much to lose there. But the body was saying, oh my gosh, we've always felt this way, but we didn't have a platform to say it. We didn't feel like we were a voice, and we've always struggled with this, but we just follow the leaders. And I thought, wow, this was so worth it. Because for me, I'm not looking for speaking engagements. Um, God is the captain of my ministry. I'm doing just fine. My loyalty is to the truth. And I saw that the body of Christ was looking for leaders who would speak up about things that are so dysfunctional, so overtly dysfunctional, that, that we're not able to, as a church, advance. And I feel like this series um, covered so much of it that, you know, if we were to pay attention to this and make certain course corrections without the, the fear of losing something, without worrying about our network alignments and all of the stuff, man, we could turn this ship and see a fresh grace on this entire apostolic prophetic thing. <laughs> Why do you think some would have been resistant to it? Well, there are different levels of dysfunction within the prophetic movement today. And at its extreme, they're resistant to it, even though they know it's true. You can't argue with it. It's biblical. It makes sense. Is again, the reason they resist that is because there's something to lose. So maybe they've tailor-made and packaged their events or their streams of movement that generate a certain income that supports salaries within their ministry. They've built the machine, so they don't want to let that go. Maybe it could be alliances they've made, uh, their ministry relationships they have. They could see themselves as, I'm doing so well, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. Again, thinking as the flesh thinks. And Paul, Paul really addressed this. He was really talking about carnality when he addressed the Corinthians saying, you say you're of Paul and you're of Apollos and you're of this one and is Christ's body divided? And so we've already gone off track when we are resistant to truth and even unwilling to even entertain it because we've built this machine. And that's part of the problem within the prophetic realm is we've missed out on some of the New Testament prophetic upgrades because of the cost of change. Change is painful. People resist change. Even psychologically, your brain associates change with pain. And so that's why it's so hard. You need a strong voice of reformation to bring any kind of change. So I think there was some resistance that way. Um, and some people, some people are of the mindset, especially in Canada, where peacekeepers Blessed are the peacemakers. You know, you just don't want to say anything because it doesn't keep the peace. But I believe if you want to change Canada, you have to be totally immune to Canada's spiritual diseases. What is your analysis on the future for Canada? 
Is there hope for Canada? <laughs> That's quite a question. Uh, <laughs> read that one more time. What is your analysis on the future for Canada? Is there hope for Canada? What a question. Um, well, first of all, there's always hope. That's the culture of the kingdom. The nature of Christ brings us hope. But it's not a hope necessarily in a government, uh, a nation suddenly becoming Christian again, or, or the avoidance of tribulation and trial or things getting worse. We have a hope in the light of Christ within the church in any nation, intensifying despite what's going on around us. I think we have slid over, and I believe in national transformation and all of that, but we have slid over a bit into placing our hope in, in nationalism and, and blurring the lines a bit where we know our kingdom is not of this world. And so the, the gospel of Christ and the kingdom does not lose its intensity, does not lose its dominating power based on governments that come and go anyways. I think you're enjoying this answer, it looks like, uh, because it's, it's true. So there's hope for Canada. <clears throat> However, my concern, and here's where I'll, I'll count the cost with, with my answer here. I don't buy into idealism and, and the, the, the ideology and the belief system that Canadians have bought into that if we do enough prophetic acts, enough mystical practices in buildings, sound, lights, camera, that that's going to somehow trigger and awaken a sleeping God to come down and solve all our problems, and we call it revival. Uh, historically, that, that just is not so. And, <clears throat> and so my issue is that Canadian, the Canadian church... I'm just broad brushing it, has bought into a belief system that we need to do things to get God, to compel God to come down and deal with the nation and do the things he's actually asked us to do. And herein lies the birthplace of Canadian religiosity. Keep gathering, keep doing prophetic acts, keep working these spiritual mystical formulas, which I've said already in this series, it borders on paganism. The idea, if I, if I do this, I can get the spirit world to do that. It's not actually what prophetic acts, New Testament prophetic acts are. But this idea that we can keep doing this, trying to get God to come down and do what he's asked us to do, has left the Canadian church in such a place of apathy, spiritual slumber. You go to a myriad of events happening, in Canada in the name of changing the nation and and the inactivity of the church is absolutely profound. We're thinking that just because we gathered, we prayed, we, we, we did these mystical acts, that, that now Canada shall be saved. If I declare it enough, if I say it enough, and if you understand anything about national transformation, and the early Protestant church was not like that. They believed in infusing values into a culture work ethic, honesty, integrity, and that's what made the nation great. Righteousness exalts a nation. You know, we've totally bypassed that and fallen into an overemphasis. Do I believe in prayer and, and we worship over the nation? Yeah, it's all good. It, it's all good. But if you're in the business of nation changing, 
you're going to have to do a lot more than that. And so I think the long answer here is, I think we are, the charismatic church in Canada is so much more religious than we realize. We've fallen into charismatic religiosity and we're losing the nation, forever waiting. Historically speaking, if you want to know the people who did not see revival, were the people who were always praying for it. Ask your parents, your grandparents, your, because revi <laughs> revival, renewal, whatever you call it, was, was, is, is almost always a suddenly of God. Birthed in prayer, yes, but God sovereignly decides what he's doing when. And so the people that are contending, we use this word contending as if we're arm wrestling with God to unlock something, they were the generation that didn't see revival. But it was the people who went after reaching people, evangelism, the power of the Holy Spirit, all of those things. We've whole segments of the Canadian church uh, have, have minimized that at the expense of another get together. If I were to ask you the why of this series, how would you answer? Was the why was not to be critical. I don't have a chip on my shoulder. I'm charismatic. I'm a, I call my, I'm a kingdom guy. This is what I felt the Lord is saying to awaken the nation of Canada. And what this has to do with is actually not criticism, but holiness. Prophets and prophetic voices, when they challenge the church, even maybe apostles, but when they challenge the church, it's actually to bring about holiness, to bring about repentance that leads to change. So I'm always amazed that people could ever be so offended as if we're holding on to something, as if somebody, a prophet or a leader, can take your ministry from you because God is using them to speak to something. That's funny to me because it's not your ministry. It's not your Canada. It belongs to the Lord. And so the why for me was always about course correction. That's the apostolic bent. And then the prophetic bent is, is holiness. Because I didn't touch on this in the series because I felt it would bring too much offense and, and the whole thing would be written off. But much of what segments of these prophetic camps, much of what they're trying to instill in the nation and the changes they're trying to bring. And I say, I say this lightly, but segments, not all, they're not living that. You get in around those, some of those camps and you find out there's territorialism, slander, unforgiveness, backbiting. Uh, and here we're trying to bring, you know, reconciliation. And man, you dip your feet into some of those camps you'll question, and, and I've had people question even the Christianity because the values are not there. The prophetic acts are there, the, the exhortations, the mission is there, um, and, and all of that. But I think the lack of power and results, because we're not seeing results, has a lot to do with where things are at really personally. I, I often say we want to conquer a nation. We can't even conquer our hearts. <laughs> and we just haven't loved truth enough. We haven't loved the values, biblical values of the kingdom. I, I said the other day, and 
most people got it, but I said the, the ultimate goal is not actually revival. The ultimate goal is oneness with Christ. That Christ would be formed in you is actually the goal. And of course, some people can figure out that, hey, that's personal revival. And personal revival leads to corporate revival. Uh, there, there's so much to be said on this subject of humbling ourselves and, and not pursuing taking territory in the nation, but pursuing taking territory in our hearts and having Jesus be Lord in our relationships, our churches. Our, um, so that's my why uh, for Canada. <laughs> you mentioned several times throughout the series the spirit of Jezebel. Why did you emphasize that? Oh man, you have come with the questions. <laughs> um, we often talk about the spirit of Jezebel on Canadian soil. And I'm not going to go back and recap everything I said in the series. You'll just have to go back there. <clears throat> but in the name of taking territory, at times some of these Christian or, or prophetic ministries are looking to take territory, which I believe is an, is an apostolic function, not, not a prophetic, not from the prophetic dimension. But in the name of doing that, we will resort to all kinds of worldly tools. Again, the political spirit, backbiting, slander, everything we do to, to take territory. Um, and it's a backsliddenness within some streams of the prophetic movement. When we entertain those tools, that was number one, and number two I mentioned in the series, when we cut corners with truth, we open up the door to a lying spirit, we open up the door to certain tools that are the spirit of Jezebel's wheelhouse. And so I feel, you know, we're looking for Jezebel in, in Parliament, we're looking for Jezebel you know, behind this leader and, and she, and it's not a she, but just for the sake of our discussion. She, the spirit of Jezebel, I'm sure, has her hands in a number of things. But if you really want to know where the spirit of Jezebel was taking ground and affecting and neutralizing the church, you'll find her within certain streams of prophetic ministry. Shocking. If you're looking for the spirit of Jezebel, that's where you'll find it because the mission of Jezebel is to totally neutralize the, the church, to neutralize apostolic leaders. So you see prophetic voices that can't work with apostles and this whole thing. Uh, it's to neutralize the church. So you could not, I felt you could not address the prophetic movement in Canada without addressing the spirit of Jezebel. What is the future for prophetic ministry in Canada? That's a great question. Um, I think it's twofold. Number one is the apostolic and prophetic finally able to find a, a genuine spiritual synergy that brings about what it's meant to as far as fivefold and, and the, the need of that. Um, and with that being said, one of the reasons I did this series was to speak to some of the dysfunctions within prophetic ministry that I think are actually holding back any kind of synergy between the two. 
and, and the bottom line is, and this came up in the series, that mature apostles and mature prophets can work together. <laughs> so, hence the series title, A Mature Apostolic Prophetic, is when you can, if we can mature in some of these areas and put some things behind us. And listen, people who are watching this know what I'm talking about. But if we can bring the two together, we can finally really take ground. And I said, dethrone Jezebel's stronghold in the nation. The second thing would be related to, there's almost become, you know, the New Testament exhorts us, the scripture exhorts us to not despise prophecy. There's almost become a prophetic numbness in the church, especially on Canadian soil, a fatigue um, and hope deferred. So many things said and prophesied. There's no other way for me to say this. I'm not going to dress it up. So many things said and trumpeted by Christian leaders on big stages to Canada that have not come to pass, were inaccurate, were, were just kind of hopeful declarations or, or prophecies that <clears throat> uh, didn't pan out, all of that. Um, and I think the body of Christ here began to become numb to that. There was almost a despising of, of prophecy. And so what I'm excited about in this new era is seeing hope deferred healed and seeing a fresh hope of not just waiting on a prophetic word, as good as that is, but acting, valuing these words again, um, judging prophecies, you doing the New Testament model and, and being able to see even, and I really highlighted this, even prophetic words filtered through apostolic leadership and disseminated to networks and churches where the body of Christ can respond to these words. And I said this, after all, if this came from God, if God Almighty spoke this, don't we want to respond to it? Don't we want to do something with this? Uh, <clears throat> and so that's what I'm kind of hopeful for, um, for Canada, is a new, a new era of, I don't want to use the word balance because... You know, Christians don't really like that word balance. It's seen as <laughs> extreme prophetic. Um, but healthy prophetic ministry, healthy, mature prophetic ministry and apostolic ministry can function together and can take major ground for the kingdom of God. That's what I'm excited about. Thanks for listening to Transformation Generation Podcast. If you liked what you heard, visit historymakersacademy.com to enroll in one of our cutting-edge trainings. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, History Makers TV.